0: Good morning, Jackie. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Jackie, can you first of all, just explain to us what is autism?
1: Okay, so autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder, um, where if you look at the current DSM-5, there are two categories where you would look at difficulties. So it would be difficulties in social and communication. And then the second area would be your restrictive and repetitive behaviors. So those are the two areas that we look at when there's a diagnosis of autism.
0: Right. And just explain to us, what is a DSM-5?
1: So DSM-5 is the diagnostic manual that physicians, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists are using in order to standardize what kind of a description of any of the disabilities, especially your psychiatric disabilities.
0: And as far as I understand, that DSM-5 was actually, or previously it was a DSM-4, and they recategorized it to change names, am I correct?
1: That's right. So it's, it's come through from the DSM-3, the DSM-4, and now we're on the DSM-5. And I'm sure they're going to be updating that in the next few years. So it changes things slightly each time, but the the overall criteria would remain very similar. As you say, this
0: is to help with diagnostic purposes. That's right.
1: What does it mean when
0: people use the terminology on the spectrum?
1: So autism has a very wide range of characteristics that you would look at. So it's diagnosed from a behavioral perspective generally, Because you're looking at the way an individual behaves in terms of their social, their communication and their their repetitive behaviours. There's a very wide range. There's from low support to very high support. Um, So individuals that would require one-on-one attention all the time, all the way across to very low support individuals Mm -hmm. who are working in the open labour market within everyday society, they just struggle with social communication skills and they tend to have a few repetitive behaviors but they generally they would be in in the community with everyone else
0: I think that's if I'm not mistaken I've often heard the term terminology high-functioning
1: autism it's high-functioning autism, autism yes
0: okay right. right and is there such a thing as a typical autistic child
1: no, there isn't, because once you've met one autistic child, you've only met one autistic child. Every child has, like every neurotypical child, you have different characteristics, different strengths and weaknesses. Every child with autism has their own strengths and weaknesses, their own behaviours, their own sensory interests or differences. So they all present differently.
0: When a parent suspects there's something not quite right with their child or they're not too sure what's going on with their child. Can you talk us through what would be the steps for a parent to go through to to get their child diagnosed or to find out what is actually going on?
1: Yes. So there are generally a child who's being diagnosed with autism. It would be before the age of three. So after the age of three, it generally wouldn't be a diagnosis of autism because they have to have presented with the characteristics before three. So they can be diagnosed at any age. I mean, we have adults who've been, who've been diagnosed with autism, but they still had the characteristics before the age of three.
0: Right. And what are those characteristics?
1: So these would be our red flags. So your usual communication skills. So eye contact, they're not making eye contact with mom. They don't have joint attention, which means engagement in- the same activity with mom. So if they're playing peekaboo, the baby's engaging with mom, looking at mom, smiling at her, enjoys that appropriately. They have lots of repetitive behaviors like flicking fingers, um, restricted interests, spinning discs, staring at fans, um, flicking their fingers in front of mirrors, all these strange uh, repetitive behaviors. And they would have a delay in communication skills, delayed talking, delayed babbling, not engaging as you would expect them to.
0: And then let's just circle back to right, so you, a parent is seeing some of these signs, possibly all of the mm. signs. What would be their next step?
1: So the only people who can diagnose autism are your either a GP who's had experience in autism, but generally we would refer children to a neurodevelopmental pediatrician or from the pediatrician they would be referred to those specialists because they're very good at analyzing behavior as well as what a child what a child's typical development should be like and there are psychologists who specialize in autism who can diagnose children and there are child psychiatrists who can diagnose autism no one else can diagnose autism so it would be important to go through to your local local clinic and look for those red flags but then each of our academic hospitals so in Johannesburg your Charlotte Preka, Edenvale Hospital, Rand Hospital, Baragwanath, they all have autism clinics or neurodevelopmental clinics where they're able to diagnose children who have who are on the spectrum.
0: Okay and tell me I've also heard that the situation where you'll get a child that apparently is developing normally and then at a certain point before they hit two years old all of a sudden they start to regress is this something that is true is something that happens
1: yes so you get your your classic autism um or you get your more aggressive autism which is when so you get children who will always have delayed communication from birth and then you have children who develop typically till about 18 months to 24 months and then there's a regression so they were developing words they were starting to babble and then suddenly they stopped that process. So those are the two kind of uh, two kind of categories that we would see generally.
0: okay and actually leads me then to my question that I want to ask quite a hot spot question. is there truth about the vaccine causing autism?
1: So there was a lot of controversy about that, but it has been, that myth has been debunked. There was later research that came out that proved that the vaccines did not have anything to do with causing autism. There is, I mean, autism has both a genetic and an environmental trigger. So they don't quite know what the genetic link is. There's various genetic links, but something in in the environment triggers or switches on those genes and that particular child will then develop autism.
0: Yeah, almost like an autoimmune disease. It's almost like the same sort of process in a way. Not that I'm calling it an autoimmune disease, but, you know, we don't know so much yet. And I do believe that, you know, I think that that whole link with vaccines and that because the age kind of lined up where they were getting vaccinated in 18 months. And very often Mm -hmm. that regression happens there. Uh, I think someone just, well, we know who, put one and one together Mm -hmm. and got 10.
1: So what happens around that age is there's a lot of pruning in the brain, which means, so the brain, when a child's born, is the brain has a lot of connections. And around that age, it starts getting rid of these links that aren't very important. And if that's not done appropriately, Then you you get this uh, atypical development happening, Um, and that happens around that time, and that's the same time as that you get the, the same time that you get the MMR but that's the one that they linked it to so that's where that link happened but it actually it was proven that it had nothing to do with the vaccine it was around the time that the brain was changing rapidly that's the trigger
0: absolutely and I actually think that doctor was struck off the roll, if I'm not mistaken
1: yes that's right they were the registration was taken away from them
0: can a child outgrow autism no
1: so autism is a lifelong disability it won't look the same through a child's or a person individual's life. So the behaviors will change and the person will develop communication will change, but they're always going to have problems with social and communication skills and repetitive and restrictive behaviors and sensory difficulties. So those will be lifelong, but the way they present will be different depending on how much support they're getting, how much intervention, what's happening in their life, how, how anxious they are. So these things present differently.
0: And tell me what support is there available for parents as well as for the children?
1: Intervention is critical in autism and early intervention. We want our children, our litvies to be exposed to as much intervention as possible at an early age. So generally, even before the diagnosis, if parents are noticing delays in these communication and social skills or sensory difficulties, the first people to go to would be your occupational therapist and your speech therapist. Because even once a child gets the diagnosis, the doctor cannot change the intervention that's needed. So you're already starting along that path for what a child needs if you are approaching that sort of those therapists. Then there are also psychologists that can help. Um, Some children get um, ABA therapy. Some children get various other communication supports, AAC support, which is alternative and augmentative communication support. Yeah. And then, of course, your special needs school, finding the, the school that fits the child and fits the family is really important. Are there quite a few schools
0: around or not really?
1: So certainly in Gauteng, there are um, over 200 classes for children with autism within Gauteng. So there was the drive about six years ago where the MEC where the MEC introduced a fund that supported the development of autism-specific intervention in Gauteng. So there were a whole lot of autism schools, government autism schools that were started. And there are a lot of private schools that are available as well. So in, certainly in Gauteng, there's a lot of support. Um, Autism South Africa has a list of all the schools available um, and how to apply for them. So they're a really useful resource. And then there are quite a few parent groups that have that have started because we often forget that our families yeah. and our parents need a lot of support. This is a huge change in their lives. It's a huge change for what they've expected out of their child's life. So they definitely need the support. And then the latest drive has been looking at our young people with autism. How are we supporting them? Our, pe- our young people who have now graduated from special needs schools or from mainstream schools and are sitting at home without jobs, without a place to go, without a place to stay, how are we supporting them? So definitely there's a there's a whole drive to support individuals with autism in South Africa.
0: Okay. And when you say there's a drive, who is actually behind that?
1: So it's your various organisations. The government is trying, and they have, they are looking a lot more at inclusive education, following on from the white paper. Mm. But that's a good theory, but in practice, it's very difficult. Yeah, because I must
0: say that every time you say the government, I'm thinking, "Whoa, that's incredible! Yeah. South African government's actually doing something."
1: <laughs> so no, but I mean, they did. They did give a lot of funds towards developing these autism-specific schools. But our children who can go to remedial schools but are on the spectrum are really struggling because they don't have mm-hmm. the social skills support. They don't have the training in these schools. Our children who want, can go to mainstream schools so they can cope with the mainstream curriculum, but they need uh, sensory extra support. break rooms, yeah. they need extra support. They're being put in special needs schools where they're not getting access to the main, uh, mainstream curriculum, even though they can. So right. they're falling some, through
0: those cracks.
1: Yeah. So there are a few organizations. I generally have connection with Autism South Africa. There's the ALS Center for Autism and various other smaller organizations um, that are leading this drive to support our individuals with autism in South Africa.
0: Yeah. And it's it's really, when we talk about autism, obviously it is the child that's affected, but it's also the whole family. That whole family dynamic is totally different to what a regular or to what would be what you see on TV. Is there support for, first of all, the children that are living with a sibling with autism and if there is, what support is there for them?
1: So there's very, there's very limited support. there are very few psychologists that are working with children with autism, fewer that are working with the siblings but there are some organizations that have started, for example, Autism South Africa runs the STARS group, which stands for siblings that are really special. And they run a group once a term where the siblings come through and meet with each other and they discuss various topics to help them deal with and integrate the information and the feelings around their sibling.
0: Okay. Where can people find that information about the STARS group, about Autism SA yeah. and any other um support groups where would they find that info
1: definitely autism south africa if you google them they are a good resource Um, you're able to call them you're able to go through they've got information pamphlets they have um, education offices in each of the provinces and they help to support families in terms of like the systemic support how are they integrating into the community does the child have a school what's happening in the family and then they are the ones who started this um, or or run the stars group right and when you say systemic uh, support just explain that so there's a there's still a stigma for children who have different behaviors within many communities. They are thought to be strange, weird, bewitched, And there's there's a lack of understanding about, and then the family tends to be blamed. Why are you doing this? Why are you not taking your child for healing? Why are you not taking your child to, why are you not removing your child from society? How are you parenting this child? So there needs to be a lot of education within the community in order to support these families and the individuals with autism.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really sure, makes it even more challenging for everyone. And tell me, Jackie, another question. I know that you work in a school that is an autism school just from you I would love to just for you to share a lovely story about something that maybe has inspired you working with autistic children
1: so I've worked in a government school for autism and I'm currently at the at care the center for autism research and education and just seeing the way that some of our young children come in And when you use Makaton, which is a multimodal communication system with them, and you start engaging with the children, the way they suddenly realize that they are being heard, they are being listened to, and that they have a voice. Even though they can't speak, they're able to express themselves. Just that connection that you get from the children is always special for me. I mean, there's a lot of frustration from both sides when working with children, individuals, With autism, at times, because they often use behaviour to express themselves, um, or they don't engage on their own terms. But when you get into the same space and you're able to engage together, it's really a a special experience.
0: Ah, that is so wonderful. I've been talking with Jackie all about autism, and it's been an incredible, incredible learning journey for me, and I'm hoping for you as well. Don't go anywhere. Because when we come back, we're going to play a few clips of what people think and what their perception is on autism. You're listening to Ruth Baynot on Generation Education, 101.9 Chai FM.